Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast. Join Corbin and Alan, along with guest hosts, as they bring their love for the cinema to discuss films from every genre and decade. Learn about the history of the film, little-known facts, and insightful explorations while they enjoy discussing your favorite film. The curtain is rising and your podcast is starting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your guide to the silver screen. Bum, 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 Oh, okay. I'll stop. Welcome, listeners, to the first installment in our Rocky movie review series. Today, we are reviewing Rocky. This is your co-host, Corbin. And I'm Alan. Now, Alan, I'm kind of... A newbie, but at the same time, I'm kind of not a newbie at all to this series. I've seen this first movie a lot. I've owned it on DVD. I do own it on Blu-ray. I've seen the other ones sort of like on TV sometimes. I've definitely sat through Rocky Balboa and the most recent Rocky movie I've actually seen. Um, the one that was I was kind of missing sort of that I hadn't just seen anything of was Rocky Five. I think I watched that last year with my dad, but so i'm kind of new but uh, at the same time i've been around these movies i'm very familiar with them yeah i'm very much the opposite i have i know them by name obviously everyone i think everyone knows rocky and who, everyone knows the main theme uh but that's really about as far as my knowledge to rocky goes other than of course you know sylvester stallone playing the main character um this kind of was the movie that kick-started his acting career in hollywood um, I know that when Creed came out, the more recent ones, um, I remember hearing that it was very, very good. Um, but I have yet to see them. So this is my first, it's the first time for me seeing any of these movies, even this original one. I haven't seen, like, I, don't, I think I've hardly seen uh, a scene from it. Um, so that's how new I am here. Yeah. And I should say that I own Creed. I've owned it for a couple of years. I have yet to watch Creed. And I haven't seen Creed 2. So I'm definitely new to the Creeds. Those are still technically sequels, but they're kind of spinoffs. So just to clarify, listeners, we will be reviewing all six Rocky films. And then we will be reviewing the two Creed films as well. And that will take us to the end of the year. Some of you might be saying, wait a minute. I didn't know Denis Villeneuve directed Rocky. <laughs> Well, that's because he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, about that. Yeah, about that. So Dune, sadly, very sadly, has been pushed to October 2021, about a full year at this point from the time we're recording and the news found out. So we didn't really think it would make much sense to review Denise films right now and basically lead up to nothing. So we're going to be pushing... So we're pushing Candyman back. We're we were supposed to also be doing Candyman around this time as well. We're pushing that back. Don't worry, Bill and Ted. We're going to be reviewing that trilogy early next year as well. And then, of course, we will be reviewing all of Denise's films leading up till Dune next year. So in the meantime, we had uh, talked about actually doing the Rocky films early 2021. But yep. since uh, everybody else is moving their release calendar around we thought hey we might as well move ours around as well so we actually pushed the rocky series up uh by a couple months so now we're reviewing those movies instead and it kind of works because john g alvidson directed rocky 
and uh, he got the best uh, best director uh, nomination. I'll talk about the Academy Awards here in just a minute. Alvidson also directed the Karate Kid trilogy. So we just reviewed um, all of the Karate Kid films. So if you haven't heard our Karate Kid uh, reviews yet, definitely go and check those out as well, because many have called the Karate Kid a teenage Rocky. So uh, the link to all of those reviews is in the description below. Also, if you're listening on iTunes, go ahead and leave us a five-star rating. That does help the podcast get recommended to listeners looking for a movie review podcast to listen to. And no matter where you're at, we are all we are now on all major podcasting platforms. The links to those are always in the description below if you want to go check those out on uh, different places and leave us a five-star review no matter where you're listening. It really helps. It's a great free way to support us. And it also helps us uh, achieve our goal of becoming verified critics on Rotten Tomatoes. So that's just a really great way to help us out. Also, if you want to jump straight into the review, timestamps are in the description below. So just scroll down and you'll find those and be able to jump around where you would like. Rocky came out December 3rd, 1976, directed by John G. Alvidson, written by Sylvester Stallone himself. This was his first major screenplay, his first foray into writing. He had acted before, but this was um, really like his first big time acting. So I learned a lot when researching this film. If you want to hear more of your guide to Rocky, that is already out for you to listen to. We go really into depth there. We're not going to go into depth very much here, but just to give you a little background so you can understand while we review the film, the movie is an underdog story and behind the camera, it's an underdog story as well. Because Stallone was really poor. Nobody knew who he was. This movie was absolutely huge at the 1977 Academy Awards. Oh, yeah. It did really, really well. Just not only at the Academy Awards, but also just in general, too. Oh, yeah. It, it was the biggest film. Critical smash hit. Audiences uh, were loving it. It's considered one of the greatest films of all time. So at the Academy Awards, it gets 10 nominations. And keep in mind, this is this was like a, a kind of a chance that they were taking on this guy who who was Sylvester Stallone. It's weird to say that now because he's just super famous. You'd be hard pressed to find somebody yeah. who hasn't heard the name Sylvester Stallone. But anyways, it wins big with it gets best picture of the year. Yeah, which is insane to think about, right? Because I know that at the time, you know, Sylvester Stallone was not doing so hot. He had very, very little yeah. money. And then he writes a movie, gets it, you know, gets a publisher or gets somebody to pick it up, gets a production company, and it goes on to win Best Picture. <laughs> like, that's that's a crazy story. It's a crazy story. And, you know, I was watching the TV spots for this movie and the trailers and everything. People were talking about, critics at the time were talking about this was going to be a major Oscar contender. And it's true. It turned out to be a major Oscar contender with just a um, huge number of nominations. And um, the other movies nominated for Best Picture that year were All the President's Men, Network, Taxi Driver, Bound for Glory. Also, um, Alvidson wins for Best Director and the film wins for Best Editing. Also, Stallone, who is a pretty, pretty young actor, hasn't really done much at all, gets nominated for Best Actor. He does lose to Peter Finch in The Network. Peter Finch had already died by the time he was even nominated for this. So 
it does seem to go the way of who the the posthumously awarded actor uh, gets the nomination. We saw this also with Heath Ledger winning as well. Gave a phenomenal performance. We did review him in That's the Dark right, Knight. Yeah. Definitely listen to our review. The film also, Stallone, yes. also got nominated for Best Original Screenplay. Um, the, it did lose to Patty Chayefsky for Network. Also, Stallone makes history for being the third person to be nominated for both actor and writer. Um, Chaplin did it in The Great Dictator. And the last person to had oh, done yeah. it was Orson Welles in 1946 for Citizen Kane. Ah, uh, yes. Well, that that one makes a bit a bit of sense too. Like, I, I guess both those kind of make a bit of sense because like, if you look at like famous movies, you know, you always see Charlie Chaplin somewhere in there. And then of course, everyone knows Citizen Kane from Orson Welles too, so. Yeah. He's in good company. Yeah. Also, Talia Shire, who was pretty famous at this point from being in The Godfather. Um, she gets nominated for Best Actress. Um, Burgess Meredith and... Uh, the guy who plays Polly, blanking on his name right now, they're both nominated for Best Supporting Actor mm-hmm. uh, in the same category. Also, Best Sound and Best Original Song, Gonna Fly Now. Ah, so, yes. As you can see, it was absolutely huge. Um, it had a budget of around a million dollars, and it went on to domestically gross $117 million, Um yeah, if you could see Alan's face right now, <laughs> the movie for a million dollars, uh, foreign markets around 107 million for a worldwide total of up to 225 million. I've heard on a one million dollar wow. budget, two over 200 times his budget. That's yeah, wow, yeah. So um, opening weekend, I couldn't really find numbers um, going back as far as 1976. They didn't record that kind of data very well. Um, I did find it grossed $5 million, but I wasn't quite sure what else was coming out around the time. Um, so currently on IMDb, it holds an 8.1. It is on the IMDb Top 250, ranked 231. It first appeared on the list in 2008 and has stayed on there till the present. Um, the, I guess you could say the lowest it's been or the highest, depending on how you think of it, is position 201 and um, the other end it has been up to 245. So very close to dropping off, but uh, seems to be staying on there. Uh, has a certified fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes of 96%. And a kind of surprising audience score of 69% that wasn't as strong as I was expecting. Strange. You know, I wonder if I wonder if it, it, it is something to do with uh, how Rocky, kind of like with Rambo, uh, we mentioned this when we did all those reviews, you know, the stigma around Rocky is that it's all going to be about the boxing, when in reality, not exactly the same case. So I wonder if that has something to do with it. Where, you know, critics are like, oh, yeah, one of the greatest movies of all time, right? 97%. Um, but then audiences see it a bit differently. I wonder if that has something to do with it, that stigma that's been, that's around Rocky, right? That always, like that boxing stigma. Yeah. And, you know, you'll hear our thoughts by the very end, what we rate this film. And you'll see whether we're more on the 96% in, 8.1 in, or 69% in. Now, as for Metascore, it is in the green, uh, just barely. It is a 70 on Metascore, and mm. it has a 4.0 on Letterboxd. Yeah, so 
I mean, overall, it looks like it's very, very high, which is, mm-hmm. you know, kind of to be expected with given a movie like this. So, Alan, it's 1976, and you're watching some television at the time, maybe going to a couple movies, and you see the trailer for Rocky. Does this trailer get you into the theater while it's a uh, while it's in its theatrical run? Uh, I don't. I mean, okay, if if it was opening weekend, I don't think so. Maybe um, I say maybe because um, it just kind of looks like you know a typical drama, right? It doesn't look like anything super interesting to me, but it does pique my interest at the slightest, I would say. So it might, it very well might get me in in the seats opening weekend. Um, But judging by what happened later in its life uh, or what happened later in the actual box office where it did wild numbers, I might, that might push me to actually go see it. But seeing it here back in, is it for back in 1978, uh, 76, maybe very, it's a very, it's on the positive side of a maybe. I will say the teaser trailer for me is enticing because they're talking about Stallone. He's the next De Niro. He's the next Brando. I mean, he is the next guy to watch and it looks interesting by the teaser trailer. I will say the theatrical trailer is one of the worst trailers I have ever seen. Oh, and the reason, Yeah. <laughs> The reason I say that is because it feels like very high school level editing. They just took a mishmash of scenes, they slapped them together, and they put in the opening Rocky title transition about four or five times between the scenes. It's almost a play of the movie, and even the trailer ends with the final shots of the film, with the Mm -hmm. final sequence of the film. So... Uh, I don't know. I, I've really found the trailer to be awful. It didn't really explain to me what the movie was. To me, it felt like uh, they weren't putting any effort into it at all. So if I saw this trailer, no, I would not be there in the theater at all. The only thing that would get me interested is the TV spots that were really praising this film as the best of the year and a definite Oscar contender. That would get me into it. The theatrical trailer would not. Well, listeners, if you haven't seen Rocky and you don't want the film spoiled for you, I highly recommend you click pause on the podcast right now. Go ahead and watch the film and come back and click play and we'll be ready to talk about it. Rocky Balboa, played by Sylvester Stallone, is a down-on-his-luck nobody boxer. He gets by with local fights and working for the local mobster Gazzo, played by Joe Spinell. He's got a crush on the pet shop worker Adrian, who looks like an old maid, but is actually a young woman and her older brother, Pauly, played by Burt Young, is somewhat of a drunk, always pestering him for a job with Gazzo. Meanwhile, boxing heavyweight champion Apollo Creed, played by Carl Weathers, is faced with an issue. His opponent drops out of their fight, so to celebrate the American dream during the country's bicentennial, he picks a fighter out of obscurity. That fighter is the Italian stallion, Rocky Balboa. Not sure what to do with his newfound fame, Rocky's life drastically changes. Mickey, played by Burgess Meredith, the owner of the local boxing club where Rocky has trained for six years, is now nice to Rocky after kicking him out of his locker previously. He becomes his manager, and Adrian becomes Rocky's girlfriend. Polly feels like everyone is leaving him behind, something we'll see time and again in this series, and forces Adrian out of the house, prompting her to take the next step in her relationship with Rocky by moving into his apartment. 
All the while, Rocky trains like none other, whereas Apollo is more concerned with publicity. The day of the big fight comes, Rocky is merely hoping to go the distance with Apollo, something no other fighter has done, whereas Apollo is expecting an easy match. Well, in a fight that's one for the ages, both fighters go the full 15 rounds, ending in a technical tie, but ultimately the judges vote to give it to Apollo, thereby retaining the heavyweight championship. Both fighters claim there won't be a rematch, but Rocky doesn't care. All he wants is the woman he loves by his side. Swarmed by reporters, all Rocky can yell is, Adrian, as she rushes into the ring, where the two declare their love for each other as credits roll. Alright, so the first thing that I'm drawn to while watching this film, and I believe this is my very first time seeing it on Blu-ray in high definition, is the film, the cinematography looks so good. It, the environments feel so real. They feel lived in. It's shot on location. I'm immediately pulled into this Philadelphia world where Rocky kind of lives in a bad neighborhood, but he also kind of surrounds himself with like these colorful cast of characters, like kind of a low level crime boss and this mm -hmm. uh, lady who works in a pet shop he kind of likes and her brother works in the meatpacking plant. So just the world really came to life to me, drew me in that uh, Sylvester Stallone and the cinematographer who actually invented the Steadicam. Um, oh, really? Yeah, this was um, one of the first uses of the Steadicam, if not the first. Okay. And um, the the guy, the cinematographer, he created it. Gotcha. Um, so that's pretty noteworthy and pretty cool as well. Yeah, absolutely. I know that's used quite a bit nowadays, but you know, I do agree with you. I think that this interest, this opening sequence really does, I mean, these opening, I guess, few scenes really do show like this guy and how, you know, unique his life kind of is, right? He doesn't really have like a city career. He's kind of an underground boxer, um, but he also gets some, some money by working for this kind of Italian mob boss-like guy, Gazzo, who gives him some money. And then like you mentioned, there's a love interest at the pet, at the pet store. He had, oh, yeah, yeah. He's also got a number of ex exotic pets at his house. So, you know, it's it just makes his character and the world that we are put into just super unique because, you know, it feels like, you know, it's, it's a very real situation that we have. But at the same time, it's also very, at least to me, it was very interesting seeing all these unique aspects to it. And then for most of the film, this really surprised me too. We're mostly just kind of following this guy's life almost on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, things are happening, of course, like we meet the love interest and she becomes a, a she becomes a girlfriend to Rocky. Um, and, and you know, you get, you get to more, know more about Gazzo and more about Polly and things like that. So there are things that are happening, but like the, oh, the big fight that happens at the end doesn't really take center stage until maybe about an hour or 45 minutes from the end, which I find to be very surprising. You know, we're spending so much time in this guy's life. But the thing that, you know, makes this movie as popular as it is doesn't happen, really happen until late into the film. Yeah, so it's about two hours, very close to two hours. Mm -hmm. And I do think the three-act structure for this film is interesting because the first act, as you're saying, is Rocky's life. And you can see that it's not great. I don't think anybody would really want it, but he still seems like an optimistic person, even though he kind of gets really knocked down in life at every turn and really can't succeed. And he's not like a very bitter person. 
he's trying to do the right thing in some situations, but he's also trying to make ends meet. So right. I do like that we have some really solid character set up in the first act. And then the second act is when he does get thrust into the limelight, how does he cope with this? Does he kind of choose his uh, old life or and give up? Or does he really try and succeed and push forward and push through? And you really get that character struggle in the second act. And that's where the character growth begins with him and with uh, Adrian. And the third yeah. act is all about um, kind of the moment of truth. So I will say I do like how the character progression moves across the film. Yeah. And I, th- I like, I think the thing that always strikes me most about this is that aspect of almost a day-to-day recreation of a man's life. It almost feels like this is somebody's life that was put on the screen. Like they, they followed him around with the camera for a number of weeks and got a bunch of footage and then kind of made a movie out of that, at least with this first opening act, right? It's, I find that to be wildly interesting. And I know we talked about something like this, sim- something similar with this idea with Patterson, where it's essentially just following a man for a week straight of his life where there's not soup, it's not so much of a quote unquote plot or um, necessarily end goal with that story. It's mostly just telling or showing this guy's life um, on a week uh, or on a week basis, right? It's something similar here. Um, not as structured necessarily, but the idea is still there. I, I, I find that to be wildly interesting because for the good majority of the film, like I mentioned, the end goal is, you know, it's kind of there. You you do get shots of Apollo and how he's looking for a fighter and whatnot every once in a while. But our main focus is not on that. It's on this character of Rocky, where, as I mentioned a second ago, because his life is so unique to me, I found that to be very, very engaging. I was very surprised to see this because, yeah, there's a boxing, a boxing match that opened the film. But then for most of, actually, I think up until the very end, there really isn't any right? There's training and stuff. And so I found that be very interesting how it's, it feels more like a, uh, just like, you know, a slice of life kind of movie for the majority of the runtime. Uh, and that's what I think what really drew me in is I was very interested in seeing Rocky's life and where it would go. I was not expecting that at all. It really was, it really kind of defied my expectations when I put the, when I started watching the film. Yeah, it very much is just a character study of one man. And that's the whole point Sylvester Stallone was trying to make with writing the screenplay was what happens when your dream isn't fulfilled or you can't go anywhere with it. You feel stuck in life. You missed your chance or nobody even gave you a chance. And that movie is about the story is about what happens when you get your chance. What are you going to do with it? And it's just kind of crazy because he's writing this story and then it's happening to him in real life at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, um, like you said, he was poor. They also weren't, they did not want him to be the lead role. They wanted much more famous actors. Um, You know, the lead guy, remember the lead guy from Paper Moon? Yeah. Yeah. They wanted him to be Rocky. That would be interesting. (laughs) So they were looking at him for Rocky, but Sylvester Stallone was saying that I'm not going to sell the script. I'm not going to do anything with it until you let me do it. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of that going out there and achieving it. Um, And so this movie very much plays into that idea of the American dream 
that yeah. if you work hard enough, that this is the land of opportunity, that an opportunity can just come your way any day and you can go from broke to a millionaire. You can go from poverty to famous. And I think the movie does a really good job of depicting that. And I like the spirit of the movie, how it seems like this guy is really beaten down. He's got nothing to lose, but nevertheless, he's really kind of fighting for this elusive dream that he very, very well may never achieve. But it's really not about it's not really about winning. It's not really about winning the dream. It's about going the distance, saying that you did it. And I think this movie does a good job of depicting that that feeling. Yeah, it's very interesting, too, because, you know, he like you like you were just saying, you know, he's just wanting to survive in the ring for the 15 rounds, right? Um, that's something that hasn't ever been done before. And it's interesting that he doesn't quote unquote win necessarily, but he does tie it, which is, again, something that no one's ever done before. That was kind of his end goal. I remember this is seen right before the big climax and it's, he already, he walks uh, to check out the, the stadium that they're going to be playing at and then walks back to his house and he's telling Adrian, he's like, I'm not going to beat him. Like, there's no way I'm going to be able to beat him, but I can at least survive him, right? And so I think that speaks a lot of volumes because it's not, you know, his goal is to do it the best that he can. But in the end, he doesn't necessarily, quote unquote, win, but he does the, he does what's, you know, the, the still the impossible. And that's, you know, blemishing this guy's record, surviving all 15 rounds um, in the ring, right? I think that speaks, honestly, to me more volumes than if he actually would have beaten Apollo, you know, seeing that, you know, he's able to survive and even after beating up, getting beaten up so much that he can't see anything, you know, able to, sur able to survive just enough to know where it is something that is fulfilling and so it is fulfilling for him and those around him. I think that's, you know, for me, at least that speaks more volumes than if he would have actually gone in the ring and then won against Apollo. And I'm not trying to give away anything about the end of La La Land here, but that does kind of give me that La La Land feeling where it just subverts your expectations. Yeah. And yeah. it's more about the realism of the situation and nevertheless, this is kind of a grungy fairy tale, <laughs> right. you could call it. But nevertheless, fairy tales don't always have these, I don't know, just really rote endings. Now, some of them might, but I like how this one doesn't. And uh, La La Land is that kind of exact same way. So I really appreciate that they do subvert those expectations there. And you realize that what's more important is that Rocky wins the heart of Adrian. Mm -hmm. which is much more lasting and much more meaningful than just holding the title of being a heavyweight boxer, that he has something that's much more deeper, that speaks to his soul much more than punching a guy out in the ring and being remembered for that, even though that's kind of his passion and his dream. You realize that's why he yells for Adrian at the end is because he wants her by his side. Exactly. So that also really subverts expectations in a way also, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And that also kind of goes to not just Adrian, but also the people around him. Because when he first starts, when he first starts training, um, he's kind of doing it, you know, on his own. And we do get to see that, you know, that famous shot of him, you know, going up the steps and then reaching the top 
Um, and we get to see it from two different, we get to see it from two different uh, times when he's training. The first time he can barely make it up the steps. And the second time, you know, he makes it up and has, there's a famous shot of him with his fists up in the air and you get to see the distant shot of the city in the background of the statue. Um, but my, my point is that, uh, you know, it's also the people that are around him, right? That also help him, you know, grow and become and train and everything. Cause there's a great scene um, between him and, oh, what's his name? Uh, Mickey. Him and Mickey, where, you know, Mickey kind of, you know, he kind of wants to, you know, help him out. But at the same time, you know, he also wants his name out there and stuff. And, you know, Sylvester Sloan, Rocky calls him out for that. And even though it is, you know, a heartbreaking scene, you kind of get this realization that, you know, he's trying to do it himself, but at the same time, he needs help from those who are around him, the characters that have been set up for this whole story, if he wants to actually, you know, be what he's trying to strive to be. If he wants to actually survive the 15 rounds, he, you know, he needs to utilize those who are around him to as much of their, of their ability to actually be able to do that. I found that to also be very interesting too, where, you know, at first he kind of rejects everybody. He's kind of doing it, you know, on his own. And then after a certain point, he kind of realizes I need these people's help. I think that's a smart way to write characters because these characters are all tied together in certain ways. And they are all kind of like, uh, like a rope is tied around each of them and they're all running against each other and they're pulling against each other. And once they realize that if they would just stop struggling and just start working together, then all of their lives become better. And, you know, even if, like you said, like we've talked about, even if it, they don't win, it's not really about winning. It's just about improving their lives because they all kind of have these really dumpy lives that are going nowhere. So I think uh, Stallone wrote the characters in a smart way. Um, what do you think about uh, performances? I mean, all of the made keep in mind, except for Carl Weathers, all of the major characters were nominated for an Academy Award. So clearly people thought they all did a pretty good job. I'm going to go on the record and say, I think everybody gives solid performances here. Yeah, I and I, I agree with you. I think that there really isn't a bad performance anywhere in here. Um, I think partially because of, you know, the realism of the script and how it comes from that personal story that really does aid with, you know, giving a lot of these characters that character uh, to actually have them act out. I think, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think there really isn't any bad performance or any bad egg here. Everyone does give a very, very solid performance. One of the things that you... One of the scenes you brought up earlier, I wanted to circle back to, and that's right before the big fight when Rocky is lying in bed talking with Adrian. That's all, once he starts talking to her, that's all one shot. And it's yeah, a slow yeah, it push in. Um, it's just a great scene. And I noticed that they do utilize a lot of long takes in this movie, which kind of surprised me. And I, I really appreciate it. And I even think when it comes to um, editing for uh, the fights in the ring, these are kind of two separate topics, so we can address both of them. But I will say the editing, um, especially when it comes to fighting in the ring, does feel like you're watching a real sports match and there is some energy to it. So I think the cinematography here, especially with those long takes, is pretty good. All like when they're ice skating around that rink, you kind yeah. of feel the time that they're just like getting to know each other as they're going around the rink. And it's supposed to be, I think. 10 minutes or something like that is yeah it's supposed to be 10 minutes yeah and it's not really 10 minutes but it just kind of feels that way and not in a bad way i would say and then mm -hmm. i think the film's pretty well edited also 
Yeah, absolutely. They there are a lot of handheld shots, um, but there are at the same time, like you were just saying, there are a lot of like long, slower ones as well. Like when you're sitting in the bed with Adrian. Uh, yeah, the, I think that both of these, especially the ones that are handheld, just kind of add to that realism um, when it comes to the world of Rocky, right? And I do agree with you. I think that those the ending fight scene really does the way that it is filmed because it is kind of shaky. Um, almost as if somebody's trying to get somebody in the crowd is filming it. Uh, it does kind of lend to giving it that feeling that you know you're actually there watching it almost. Um, so yeah, I found this ending fight. I was surprised again. I was surprised to see that this ending fight was as engaging as it actually ended up being for me because I know we noted with the Karate Kid. I'm not going to give him necessarily a whole lot away, but there are lots of there are lots of similarities between the two of them. I wasn't as engaged in that final that final showdown as I was here. I was very engaged with this one, um, and like I was very into it. So I was surprised by that, you know, and that's part definitely partly due to the fact that this is filmed very very well. Some of it is kind of guerrilla style, but again, what they're going for, which is you know realism and kind of capturing somewhat of a slice of life kind of movie, that really really helps in my own opinion. And of course, I got to give praise to Bill Conti for his score in this movie. Mm -hmm. I love the piano um, during the kind of contemplative moments. And I love the brass instruments during the more uplifting moments. So, I, oh, it made me want to pick up this uh, soundtrack just to just listen to if I'm in the car or I don't know, just doing something around the house. I think the score is really good. I will say I'm pretty surprised this didn't get nominated for original score. Uh, did get song for Gonna Fly Now. And mm -hmm. I think that's the one thing that people always think of Rocky as Eye of the Tiger. Uh, no, it's not in this movie. <laughs> right, right. Um, yep. Yeah, score. I know, Alan, you're big into score. So I was pretty curious what you thought of this one. Yeah, um, this is very much a this is a very bare bones score for a, a good majority of the songs. It's just piano um, and it's very sparse, too. There are a lot of sequences where there isn't a lot of score at all. Right. And so what it makes it so when there is, you know, some music in the background, it does help lend to, you know, adding a lot more to that scene. Um, there's one with him and Adrian. There's one uh, a little bit later on when I think it's with him and. Oh, no, it's when, I think it's when, um, what's his name? Polly comes back in the house and is mad and everything. I think that's also at one point. There are very sparse moments here and there where there, there's like piano or there's some kind of music in the background. Um, but I think that's really about it. It's not a whole lot of score, but Gonna Fly Now, you know, is like the main theme. And that's the thing that wasn't the best song. So yeah, I like the score here. I really, I really do. It's very bare bones, but that definitely just adds more to the drama that we see playing out on screen. Yeah, that's one of the things Bill Conti was going for when writing the score is he wanted the music to just come across with the emotions that you're feeling in that scene or the character mm -hmm. supposed to be feeling. He didn't want to complicate the score and because these characters aren't very complex and oftentimes our emotions aren't complex when you get down to it. So that's basically what he was going for 
um, when writing the score was getting across, like you said, his bare bones. He wants to get across those emotions to the viewer. And he wants, I, I think it works really well um, just with the acting, with the editing, just with the set locations in general. I feel like it all comes together really nicely. So I, I actually found myself um, surprised at how much I was into the score. And, you know, like I said, I've seen this movie on DVD quite a few times. Mm -hmm. And I've never given much thought to it, but this time with my SSG goggles on, I was really getting a new level of appreciation. And it wasn't until after the fact that I learned um, Sylvester Stallone wrote this, wrote the screenplay and learned about the story uh, behind that and that he got nominated for writing the screenplay. Yeah. Um, we've reviewed some of his other screenplays. We have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you can go listen to all of our Rambo reviews right now, but so that's what kind of surprised me. I was like, oh, wow. Uh, he wrote the screenplay, didn't co-write it or anything. Now I'm sure he bounced ideas around with Alvidson and everything. And they mm. worked on multiple drafts of the script, but nevertheless, all I'm saying is I think everything here comes together pretty well. And honestly comes together probably better than it should have with this movie oh, yeah. about a boxer, Stallone's kind of an untested talent, and who had really ever heard of Alvidson before or until since, until he does the Karate Kid. And I mean, once again, Bill Conti is a great composer. It just was kind of the perfect storm, honestly, to, to make this movie, I would say. Yeah, definitely. And I think the best thing that really, I think, helps this film, too, is that it's coming from a place. It's coming from the the movie. The movie's core is coming from a man's own life experiences, um, how he, he started off not very, you know, very wealthy at all. He's very much on the poor side and how somehow this this film that he had wrote the screenplay for of his dreams to become something better than he what he was ends up you know doing that exact same thing for him um that being of course sylvester stallone so it's also kind of like kind of nice and very very rare to see a film like this where you know it's coming from a deep place of like life experiences almost one for one put on the screen and then um having the audience just eat that up right we don't see that super often anymore. Every once in a while, we'll see something, but never super often. We might see an indie film that you know comes around and goes around and and has something similar to it, but doesn't ever get this kind of money or this kind of recognition. This is a film where you know everyone knows Rocky at some level, right? Even if it's just the theme song um, that plays, you know everyone knows Rocky to some extent. I think that's what makes this film wildly unique to me is being one that for a majority of the plot is just meandering around this and seeing this guy's life, how, you know, influential it ended up becoming. Yeah. And also it's a sports drama. Yeah. How many sports dramas have been nominated for like this many Academy Awards? I honestly, I think this is the only one, the only other, uh, really critically acclaimed sports movie that I can think of is raging bull. Another, uh, boxing movie with surprise, uh, well, surprise, it's another boxing movie, but it's a Martin Scorsese film with oh, yeah. A-list yeah. talent, and that would come out four years later. That So, Rocky kind of beat him to the, to the punch with that, and I think that was based off a true story anyway. So, 
people like Raging Bull a little better, but um, technically Rocky won more Oscars and it was nominated for more Oscars. Mm -hmm. So I think the only one I can think of off the top of my head is uh, Field of Dreams. That, that one got a few Oscars, but it didn't win anything. The, it got a few, a few nominations. That's true. Field of Dreams was nominated for Best Picture, which it should have mm -hmm. won. <laughs> um yeah that is a movie about baseball uh yeah i don't know it's just interesting it, it's kind of incredible that this movie pulled it off um i think cinderella man another boxing movie yeah that one's with uh, russell crowe isn't it i own it i've owned it for years and i have never seen it so gosh i've seen it once i watched it in high school yeah high school I remember liking it, but I need to watch it again. I've heard it's pretty good. Yeah, I need to pull the Blu-ray out. Um, it was also nominated for three Oscars. Uh, okay. Nothing major except a uh, supporting actor for Paul Giamatti. So I'm just saying this kind of stuff doesn't happen very often. And when it does, it's a boxing movie. And mm -hmm. um, there's a great special feature talking about how boxing movies are the one sports movies where it's about the individual and it's about... Um, it's basically about life you're in the ring yeah. there's a winner there's a loser you're going to pick yourself up you're going to get knocked down you're going to try to overcome the odds maybe you'll succeed it all depends upon your hard work so that's why i think of all sports movies boxing movies are usually always the ones that people gravitate towards and are are able to probably tell the best stories it seems like yeah, and I think part part of that is because you know the the more simpler you go, um, the more you can really dig deep, right? It's kind of in an oxymoron, but uh, I guess the best way of putting it is less is more, right? And this story is just about a man trying to beat the odds, some crazy super great boxer that he has a chance to fight against, and somehow he doesn't win, but he is able to survive longer than anybody else has, right? And that that itself is technically a win, right? That's a very simple story and can be kind of be summed up, like I just said, in like a sentence. So I think that's why I find this, and a lot of other audiences find this film as enjoyable, but also as influential, is because it is just so simple, right? It's easy to consume, but at the same time, it does cut deep because you do get to see that American dream. You, you do get to see how this man goes from literally nothing to realizing that, the people that you know he loves and the people that love him back are the thing that really is going to be pushing him forward to success right the success was never really something i mean he wanted to do it for his own for just himself for his own self-respect but it wasn't ever about like truly winning the match getting a tie was you know good enough for him i find that to be you know something that really cuts deep more deeper than you know a lot of other sports movies would or a lot of our movies in general would because a lot of american films are like very big in scope, very bombastic, and they try to tell a story that's a bit more on the entertaining side than one that would be necessarily on like the t teaching a lesson side. Yeah, and it was also interesting to see that Stallone didn't shy away from putting his Christian faith into the movie as well. Mm -hmm. The opening shot of the movie is a picture of Jesus. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and we do see Rocky pray once, and we do see him cross himself. So. Uh, back when a time when Hollywood didn't completely hate America. <laughs> um, but, you know, the other thing is, the other good thing that I'll say is I like that we don't 
get a training montage with Apollo Creed, which is a really cool name for a character. Yeah. Um, I like that we don't get that because we know he's already the champ. We know he's the greatest. He he has the heavyweight title in the world. So it makes it all the more suspenseful of how Rocky will do. And we do kind of have that dichotomy. Uh, it's more, um, and we even towards the end that it's more about the show than it is about the fight because yeah. Apollo's uh, guy in the ring says, this guy doesn't understand it's a show. He actually thinks it's a fight. And Apollo comes out in this ridiculous, um, you know, mimicking George Washington crossing the Delaware. <laughs> He's got this huge hat on and um, it's just kind of over the top and crazy, but it's pretty fun. But you do get to see that um, for some people, this boxing, you know, it means the difference between putting a meal on the table Whereas for Apollo, mm -hmm. it means just keeping up my image as the champ. So I do like that there's that dichotomy um, presented there as well. And I do think it is interesting that um, especially, you know, we just talked about Night of the Living Dead and we talked about race relations in that film. And right. in this movie, the poor guy is white and the black guy is rich. And I do think that is important that they depicted it that way, that by this point in American history that... Um, you know, black people had become independently successful outside of right. anything. Apollo is a self-made man and Rocky is also going to become a self-made man as well. And that when it comes to the boxing ring, it doesn't matter if you're black or white, it just matters who can punch the hardest and who can stay up. So I really like that it addresses a lot of these issues, but not in a really in your face kind of way. It really is just about the American dream. Apollo is an American just like Rocky. He loves his country just as much as he does. And mm -hmm. just because Rocky's the Italian stallion, it doesn't matter. So I, I really like that this movie is just kind of all around this American uh, movie that it's just uh, really speaks to that. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's I think it's what made also made the ending as you know, it's suspenseful for me too, is that you have you know, Apollo Creed, who was thinking, oh, well, this is just a show to him. Um, we're on the flip side, like you were just saying, you know, Rocky is in it to actually fight, right? He's there for, you know, a, he's there for a real reason more than just to put on a good show. And so I guess that's part of, part of the reason why um, I was curious to see what was going to happen. Like, is Apollo Creed's, like, is his ego going to be the thing that causes his downfall? Nah, not really. Um, it's more of it's more of that he is much better uh, than than Rocky is clear clearly, but it's also about Rocky just surviving, right? I think that's interesting. It's just an interesting idea, you know, surviving long enough that you actually become su successful, right? Something that you're good at. That's something that I find to be very interesting. It's just you know surviving uh, to be to be better at something. That's interesting to me. Now. I, we've been praising this movie because there's a lot to praise in it. I don't think this movie is perfect, despite it winning Best Picture of the Year. I have two kind of a little bit of beefs with this movie. I don't think this movie necessarily needed to have been two hours long. I feel like there is a, probably a bit too much slowness it, within the second act of this film. And I, Oh, really? I, okay. You know I had the same problem with the Karate Kid movies. <laughs> that's that's true. You did. You did. For a good majority of them, you mentioned, if not all of them, you mentioned that that, that second act was just, eh, just too slow. I don't think, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's just mind-numbingly so. Don't get me wrong at all. I just mm -hmm. feel like at some point, this movie gets 
a little too quiet almost. It gets a little too focused on the drama and we are missing some of that boxing because then uh, transitioning into the third act, it picks up into high gear once he starts training with Mickey and we've got that great training montage and he's running up and then it's kind of like, all right, wake back up. We're ready for the boxing match. So I feel that way about the second act. I think it's a plenty fine second act. I just think it's a little too, a little too soft for me. And I will say I'm going to have to, although I like parts of the ending, like the very, very end, I do have a little bit of a bone to pick with it. I feel like the editing could have been done better. I don't think it's as bad of an editing job as the very end of The Karate Kid. Yeah. But I, I will say the very end of this movie, I'm confused. I'm very confused and I feel like it's just kind of confusing and ambiguous and it all happens a little too fast um, because I you're um, I was almost being felt like I was being set up for this really triumphal knockout of Apollo Creed like Rocky was going to do it and that's actually what I was expecting don't get me wrong I like the realism that it's a tie because they're both that great and there's not going to be a rematch until we review the sequel next week uh, <laughs> um, but nevertheless I just feel like the editing it was just too discombobulated there at the end for me yeah, so I guess I'll start with your first point. Um, I never really found myself um, getting antsy, thinking that this movie could keep could move faster or whatever in the second act. I found the second act, in fact, I found most of this movie to be wildly interesting because of how, partially how unexpected it was to me, but also how genuinely I was, you know, invested in Rocky's story. And so seeing, you know, the like I mentioned, this these slice of life moments that are happening in this in the story, seeing those slice of life moments, I was really, really into that. I like that kind of a thing where it kind of just lets you take a seat and just like watch this film unfold. It's a very relaxing film to begin with, or its first act and into its second act until when Apollo Creed shows up, right? Um, so I found that to be wildly interesting. I just, I like slice of life things like this, where you're just kind of living inside this guy's world for a little bit, kind of like with Patterson. Um, I, I find those movies to be interesting to me because we do get to see, it's a character exploration instead of one that's just like, huh, instead of one that's filled with, you know, a lot of themes and has something that it wants to, a message that it wants to tell in the end. Now, I'm not saying that this necessarily doesn't have a message to say, because it does but more to the fact of it's very relaxed for a good majority of the runtime. I found that to be something that I really, really enjoy um, seeing that kind of a thing that really intrigues me and pulls me into a story, seeing a unique story that feels very personal to somebody. That's where I like, that's what I like seeing. So what did you think then of the ending? I know we've kind of liked that it does subvert expectations, but mm -hmm. nevertheless, it all seems to come together really fast. And I, I, I was almost like, wait, is that it? Because everybody just rushes onto the ring. And in that sense, I did feel it was slightly anticlimactic for me. I don't know. How, what did you think? See, this is this is a similar ending to how the Karate Kid ends, although it's not as abrupt. Um, but I guess I found that... In this instance, where we don't necessarily get to see a whole lot of like the aftermath of what happens after the fight is ended, um, I like that we don't have ever really see that. And this happens all kind of fast, right? Because Rocky's at this point, he's essentially blind. Um, his eyes are yeah. so swollen that he can't see anything. And so that also kind of just adds to, you know, how fast it goes back and forth between Rocky screaming for Adrian and Adrian trying to find her way up to the top of the ring, right? 
So I guess I never really found it. I, I, I guess I don't really see it the way that you do um, in this ending because I found it to be, you know, him instead of, you know, wanting to be in the limelight, you know, wanting to have people interview him or whatever or talk to him. He's, he's rejecting all of that. And he's just trying to find the woman that he loves. We talk, I know we talked about this a bit ago. That I find to be more interesting to me knowing that, you know, his focus is not necessarily on, you know, what others think of him. His focus on is on those who he loves and those who love him back. I think that's why I didn't necessarily find it necessarily necessarily to be uh, as problematic as you did. No, and I mean, I like that part as well, that we shift the focus onto the real, what really matters is Adrian. I guess what I was expecting was them to, I guess I was confused, honestly, if it's a tie, if Apollo actually wins, they just throw it towards Apollo. Um, I don't know. I just think that part I was expecting, um, my mind was so focused on the fight and how he kept going. And then it almost kind of abruptly shifts away from the fight and then really subverts mm -hmm. expectations and shifts to Adrian. I, it really threw me for a loop there actually. So I felt like it almost threw me for a loop a little too much. And I don't know, this movie was kind of going towards that crowd pleasing ending moment that I, I would be curious to think of what audiences thought of it back then that ending back yeah. then, because no matter what you think, it does subvert expectations. So there's parts of it that I like, parts of it that I wasn't really expecting and I thought was, eh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't necessarily have that issue with this ending, I guess. Yeah, I I like, I really do enjoy the way that it ended. Um, I can't exactly say the same for a couple of the characters, however. Um, mm, now, okay. I'm not saying that they acted bad, but I also felt like a couple of the characters, they don't have, I, I guess, I would have liked more out, out of them, right? I would have liked to have seen their character on screen more or interact with, interact with Rocky more or have a bit more, um, have them, I guess, a bit more fleshed out. Um, I think two of them would be Polly and Adrian. Adrian's definitely the more fleshed out of the two, but I feel Polly, after a certain point, he kind of disappears. <laughs> And yeah. I felt like, you know, I wanted to see more of him. I, I wanted to see, you know, how this guy in, impacts Rocky's life, you know, during the fight, more of that, more of him helping out and things like that. We don't really see a whole lot of that after a certain point. I, he, I think he's a great example of char a character that I would have liked to have seen more on screen. His character, I think, is fantastically uh, performed in this movie. Mm -hmm. The actor does such a great job and I really like his character. He feels real. He honestly feels like he doesn't acting. He's not acting. He feels like that's just who he is. Um, yeah. He really did deserve the nomination for supporting actor. But yeah, you know, he's kind of just the bum that um, Adrian realizes that there's two guys in her life. Polly's just kind of this bum and Rocky's this, he's, he's like a little bit a step above a bum. Um, he, but he at least cares for her and he's not a jerk to her. And yeah, there's that weird moment where they kind of have this crazy falling out where Polly's swinging around the baseball bat. Adrian moves yeah. in. Polly kind of comes back, I think, to talk to Rocky and they kind of have this, uh, reconciling. But you're right. The, I don't think we see him again until, um, Rocky's wearing the meat meat company plant and Polly's got his like zoot suit on and this young date and we really don't know right. what happened to him or how he was able to really get that money or or do what he's doing there so yeah he's kind of inconsequential I guess to the character arc of Rocky it seems like he just seems like and don't worry Alan he's going to be in like all the sequels 
So yeah, yeah great. <laughs> you're going to get plenty more Polly, but you're right. He doesn't really seem to affect Rocky's life the way Adrian does. Yeah. And I'm okay with him, you know, pl- kind of not kind of playing the uh, more of a backseat character. Cause he does have, I think what he does in Rocky's life is enough, but I would have liked to have, I guess, had a better end to his character. Cause after the falling out, he kind of is here and there every once in a while, but then he ultimately just disappears. Um, after that scene, I would have liked to have seen a better end to his character, a better, uh, end to either his arc or how he affects Rocky or whatever. The only other scene is uh, the scene between Adrian and Rocky when they're in his apartment. Mm, I know what you're going to say. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little bit of a strange scene. I have always thought that scene is strange. There was um, like a talk show called, uh, I think it was like Dina, Dinah or something of the time. Mm-hmm. And Sylvester Stallone was on there. And that's the scene they played. Um, for Stallone to watch and talk about on the talk show. It's a bonus. It's a bonus feature on the the Blu-ray disc. You can watch it there. Um, yeah, you know, I've always thought that scene was really weird. I just, I think the first time I saw it, my dad like covered my eyes because he's like, hey, you don't, you don't need to see these people getting all tangled up on each other going down onto the floor. It's not graphic or really dirty or anything. Right. I am kind of glad you brought that up because that has always been the one stick out scene to me that is just every time I watch it, I'm like, it's weird. I mean, he kind of corners her and they both kind of just slowly slump onto the floor while kissing. I don't know. It's unique. I guess everybody remembers that scene. See it stuck in your (laughs) mind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Does this remind you of, uh, I get another Blade Runner reference. Does this remind you of that Blade Runner at all with the scene when they're in the when they're in the house or his apartment, I guess. Yeah, it does remind me of that, except it's less violent. And yeah, that's, that's I feel fair. better knowing that Sylvester Stallone and Talia Shire didn't hate each other. I'm pretty sure uh, Harrison Ford and, uh, oh gosh, whatever her name is. I'm pretty sure they didn't like each other at all. Um, that scene, I, I actually feel probably more uncomfortable in the Blade Runner scene because it's uh, really kind of slams her against the wall and tells her to tell him things and they start kissing. The, yeah. only, the only part of that scene that's good is um, Vangelis' score in the background. Right. Yeah, that's always <laughs> good. At least the music's good. <laughs> but you are right. There is kind of that, I'm sure um, a lot of feminists today would take a lot of issue with this scene of this male domineering yeah yeah <laughs> i think it's okay i i um blade runner doesn't come across mutual um rocky does feel a bit more mutual how adrian uh finally just lets down her guard she has all these barriers and she finally surrenders she's run out of excuses and she just yeah. she's drawn to rocky she's attracted to him and she finally just gives in and you just um i think that's visually portrayed i guess in a nice way that these characters she just really can't stand up any longer and they don't really want to mm-hmm. stand up any longer they don't they're, they're just ready to just kind of let go and you see that and then um we get Polly harassing him later uh because she's not a virgin anymore <laughs> right <laughs> <get> yeah <laughs> Alan, what is your rating and recommendation for Rocky? So like I mentioned kind of at the start of this podcast, I came into Rocky expecting it to be kind of like Rambo. Uh, It's not, you know, know, like Rambo exactly, but 
to a point where it was like all about boxing and about how this guy beats the odds because he's a really good boxer. Yes, that is partially true, but the most important aspect of the film is his life outside of boxing and how that ends up affecting how he performs at the end of the film. Um, that being the big boxing match. That's where I found my, that's where I found it to be wildly interesting for me is in his personal life. Seeing that play out was most interesting to me and just fueled my excitement and my suspense and the suspense I was under when it did get to that ending. Because it feels like, you know, everything that's in his life is going to affect, again, how he performs at the end. So I find that to be very, very interesting, how it's very much a slice of life kind of movie while still holding that um, that American dream-like thematic element to it, where it's this guy who beats the odds. And at the end of his film, he doesn't necessarily beat the odds, kind of. He doesn't win, per se, because in in legal, I guess in the tournament terms, they were it was a draw, it was a tie. But that's all he needed to do, right? That's all he needed to do, which is get, get to a point where he could survive past however long anybody else has, which is a full 15 rounds with a man who's known for having a spotless record. That to me, having a man do that to me is more impact and more impactful than if Rocky had finished and actually won the match. So at the end of the day, I was very surprised by Rocky uh, again. So I'm going to give it an eight out of 10, but a very high recommend. Rocky is a strong underdog story about the American dream. Anyone can go from rags to riches, from poverty to acclaim, as long as they work hard enough. What makes this even cooler is the fact this is a real-life story to Sylvester Stallone. John Alveson and crew bring a dynamic realism to the film that makes each scene pop. The Blu-ray transfer is fantastic. I've rarely seen a film from this decade look this good. Performances all around are solid, and I appreciate Stallone humanizing Rocky further, by showing he desires a woman to love and not just a ring to conquer. The second act slows down a little too much for in my taste, but once the third act kicks into high gear with the exhilarating training montage and musical number, I'm in. Despite the ending being ambiguous and slightly anticlimactic, Rocky is still a contemplative, engaging film that lifts your spirits and makes you proud to be an American. Rocky receives 7 stars out of 10 with a solid recommend. Well, I think I know the answer to this one, but Alan, is this going to be a pickup or pass for you? Well, I've already ordered the Blu-ray. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, it was one of those situations where I just kind of immediately bought it on Amazon after I got done finished <laughs> watching it. So, absolutely, it's on its way here. It'll be here uh, from this recording in a couple of days. Very nice. Yeah, you won't be disappointed because I didn't realize how like chocked full of bonus features the Blu-ray is. There are as three commentaries. Oh, um, one with Sylvester Stallone, one with the director, and a bunch of the cast and crew. Um, and the other one is with um, uh, boxing experts or something like that. And like I said, lots of TV spots. Um, some behind the scenes footage, a three part documentary. Man. So um, it, the Blu-ray is fantastic. And I can't wait for you to um, because you watched it off my Plex. So you watched it compressed. Yeah. I can't wait for you to see all of its 1080p glory because this movie just looks fantastic. Like they cleaned it up so well. It just looks great. I can't wait to watch it on Blu-ray um, because it's a great movie and all. But, you know, it can only go so far if it's in 480p 
and it looks more like a potato than it does a man in <laughs> boxing gloves. Oh, no. <laughs> well, Alan, after people watch Rocky, what other uh, films or TV shows would you recommend to check out? So I guess a big theme um, during this whole review has been my obsession with slice of life kinds of movies. Um, Patterson, obviously, we, re- we did review that one uh, a year or two ago at this point. Um, that's one that's very slice of life, follow a man for a week in his life, pretty much. Another film, After the Storm, is something similar, where it's it's more family-centric. It's a huge Korean-Chinese film. I don't know which one, but it's from <laughs> that side of the world. It's not in English. Um, it's about this guy who tries to reconnect with his family after his wife divorces him. Um, very, very interesting. A little bit slow, maybe for you, Corbin, but I very much enjoy it. So those are the two I would recommend. Yeah, my recommendation is going to be, you brought it up earlier, Field of Dreams, one of my favorite sports movies. I love that movie. It also, um, this movie was very uplifting for me. And uh, Field of Dreams has that same quality, but in a different way. And then, of course, if you want some more Sylvester Stallone fun, which is just weird because Sylvester Stallone is so good in this. And honestly, he looks so different yeah, yeah. uh, because he's so young. Um, but I want to say if you want another solid Sylvester Stallone performance, but in a very different character, definitely check out First Blood. Um, watching this movie really made me want to pull out my Blu-ray for First Blood and return to that one because I haven't returned to it since we reviewed it four years ago. Yeah, that's right. I think I, well, I think I watched it one or two other times since we reviewed it because I did end up buying it on Blu-ray and I forget the reason why I did, but yeah. Well, Rocky clearly wasn't going to be done. Clearly, it spawned seven sequels. Technically, uh, two spinoffs also in conjunction with those sequels are are part of that. Mm -hmm. Clearly, this franchise was huge, bigger than Rambo. Rambo only um, spawned four sequels, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So clearly, this franchise has endured. Creed 2 just came out. Sylvester Stallone plays Rocky in that. So this movie has lasted 76, 86, 96, 2006, 2016. This movie is, what, what uh, 44 years old, something like that? Yeah, just about. It's uh, it's old. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, getting pu- pushing half a century. Mm-hmm. Uh, so clearly this franchise has stood the test of time. And yeah, three years later after Rocky was released, Rocky II came out in theaters in 1979. So we will be back reviewing that next week. So the question after the show, listeners, is do we need another film like Rocky today? I'm very curious to see what you all think because I found this movie to be very pro-American, pretty uplifting. I I can't think of a very strong pro-American movie or any movie that just uplifts the individual, like just like the human spirit, the human triumph like this. I can't think of yeah. one in a long time. The only one I can think of is Whiplash, but that's a very different way of going about it. That's like the closest that's, one I can think of. That's different, yeah. That's, um, that's close. They do diverge, though, into very different points. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> that's close. Yeah, you don't have an abusive... Uh, you don't have an abusive director, <laughs> so. Mick, Mickey was pretty abusive, though. Yeah, that's true. He was hilarious. I, guess. I like his character. Burgess Meredith is so good. Yeah. Alan, thanks for joining me. Sure thing. 
All right, listeners, I'm very excited to continue on with this series um, since I don't, I, I can't remember very much of it very well, but we will see you next week with Rocky 2. Hey listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter page. And of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, if you want exclusive bonus content such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries, and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more, then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free, and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe whether you're on YouTube, Apple, Google, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service. And while you're at it, please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. So don't forget to share with your friends and family, and we'll see you next week, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide. Bom, 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 bom. Oh, okay, I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, listeners, to the first installment. Now, you know, I kind of thought that'd be fun to do that bump up bump, but I think I need to do it longer. Otherwise, it won't make sense. Okay. Okay. All right. Fake a laugh or don't. That's fine. All right. Prompting her to take the next step in her relationship with Rocky by moving into his apartment. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm thinking of when Polly is like, she ain't a virgin no more. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I think that's a smart way to write characters because all of these characters? <laughs> Gosh, sorry, there's like a gnat that I, I just hit. <laughs> Anyways, um, get out of here, you chicken legs. <laughs> <laughs>